Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay Podcast. This week, we are going to be talking about subtext. And you know, subtext is one of those things that people just get so freaked out about, right? We're all afraid that we don't write good enough dialogue. Almost every screenwriter is scared that their dialogue just isn't good enough, isn't real enough, and we all have those words echoing in our ears from some screenwriting teacher. It's too on the nose! It's too on the nose! Right? We're all terrified of writing this on-the-nose dialogue. And sometimes we don't even actually know what on the nose is, right? We just know it's like this bad thing and we're afraid that our dialogue is bad. And we know that subtext is supposed to be this good thing and we want our dialogue to be good. So we're hoping that we write a lot of subtext. So this kind of raises the question like, what is subtext? What is on the nose dialogue? What's good dialogue? How do you even do it? Um, And so to talk about it, we're going to be discussing a really fabulous show. And it's a different show that, than most of the shows that I talk about on this podcast. And that it's a reality show. It's a documentary format reality show on Netflix called Love on the Spectrum. And this show is beautiful on so many different levels. What it does is it takes autistic adults, many of whom have struggled in relationships, many of whom have never even been on a date before and who long for love and for romance and connection. And it pairs them with other autistic adults for, for, for many of them is their first date ever. And it tries to help them through relationship training to actually find love. And the show is beautiful and heartbreaking and sad and funny. And uh, if you watched season one and were devastated, come back and watch season two uh, because they really learn how to do the show better. Uh, And without ruining it for you, it's worth coming back and looking at the changes that the, the producers and the directors made in order to actually allow the show to better fulfill its own purpose. And the reason I thought this would be such an interesting show to discuss subtext is because it features characters who seem incapable of subtext. It features characters who seem to say everything on the nose, who literally, intellectually can't hide exactly what they're feeling. They don't have a natural ability, it seems, to do these layers of dialogue that we're always expecting. These characters just tend to say what they feel. To paraphrase one of my favorite interchanges between a couple, uh, Ronan and Katie. Ronan is an autistic man who uh, is obsessed with race cars. He has some mental processing challenges. Katie does as well. They are both on their first date of their life. And that date ends up blossoming into actually a really beautiful love affair. Um, and it features dialogue that kind of sounds like this. How do you feel about me? I feel warm. I feel warm too. Oh, these interactions, this is like an interaction that like, 
we wish we could be so honest on a date with someone we just met, right? We, we wish we could be so vulnerable, right? On our real dates, we're filled with like wordplay and little games and showing how cool we are and, you know, hiding our true feelings. And these characters just come out and say it. In fact, they need to say it. They need to check in with each other and they need it reported because they struggle to pick up the visual cues, the subtextual cues, and the result is not, you're not watching going, oh, what weird, cheesy, on-the-nose dialogue. What you're actually seeing is something beautiful and connected and, and, and special. Which leads us to our first lesson about subtext, which is sometimes it's better just to say it. There's something actually really beautiful and powerful about just letting a character come out and say it. Um, I'm reminded of a wonderful improv teacher I used to study with, um, one of my mentors. And um, you'd be in the middle of a scene and, you know, uh, inexperienced improvers, and they, they tend to dance around stuff, right? And you're, we were in a scene and it was obviously a seduction and we're kind of dancing around with subtext and trying to be funny as we try to seduce each other. And on the sideline, here's my mentor coaching me. Just say it! Just say it! And so finally I go, I want to sleep with you. And everybody laughs. And suddenly the scene takes off. And, and I realized at the moment, you know, I was so busy trying to be a good improver, trying to find those complicated subtextual ways to communicate cool things, and I was actually missing the joke. And I was, more importantly, missing the emotional content of the scene, which is sometimes it's okay just to say it. Sometimes there's value in just really allowing your character to get vulnerable. Just really allowing your character to put it all on the table. Just allowing your character to say exactly what they feel. And though, yes, sure, there is a risk that it can start to feel on the nose, and we'll talk about what that means. Um, sometimes you'll be pleasantly surprised to find out that just saying it really just leads to deeper levels, more complexity, um, and even more subtext. Because this is what's so interesting, bringing it all the way back to love on the spectrum, despite the fact that these two characters seem to have no ability to do subtext. In fact, none of these characters, none of these real people seem to have any ability to do subtext. They seem to put it all on the table exactly as it is. There's actually a lot of subtext happening in the scene. Uh, for example, there's a really beautiful moment early in Katie and Ronan's date uh, in season two, episode two. Um, and these two, they've never been on a date and they are both so nervous and they have their first early conversation and it's going well and Ronan realizes and he says, isn't it romantic? And she says, yes, and it's so beautiful and silly and simple. And um, they both don't know what to say. They both don't know what to say because they struggle with simple conversation they, and they're both scared out of their wits, and they both like each other, but they don't actually know how to connect. And so Ronan decides he is going to pour some juice. They're out on a picnic. He decides he's going to pour some juice for the two of them. And he pours one for you and one for me. And they pass the juice, and they drink, and they just keep drinking and keep drinking and keep drinking the juice. 
And this, even though it's not dialogue, is subtext. Because what's actually happening, the conversation that's actually happening is not about juice. The conversation that's actually happening is about, I'm nervous. I'm nervous too. Maybe it would calm us down to have some juice. Yeah, that would fill some time. Um, I really want to connect with you in this way. Yeah, I really want to connect too. I don't know what to say. Okay, let's see if we can fill some time together this way. And so you're watching and you're laughing, not at them, you're laughing with them because you're in on what's happening between these two people, which is two people scared to death who so desperately want to connect and don't exactly know how. And the text is, would you like some orange juice? But the subtext is something so much more complicated. I'm going to play you another scene that does the same thing. Um, this is from nine minutes, uh, ten minutes and three seconds into episode two. Um, thank you for today. Yeah. Hope you enjoyed our dates today. Yeah. I, um, was really great. Yeah, pleasure meeting you. You too, appreciate your time. Like, I bet your mom is like waiting for you somewhere up in that direction where I'm pointing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Bye. Bye. See you later, Katie. See ya, bye. See ya. So here's what's so incredible about this scene. What you're watching, you're watching this girl who is waiting for the kiss at the end of the first date. And you're watching this boy who is afraid to kiss her and doesn't know what to do. And the text is, thanks for a nice date, that was nice. I think your mom's up there. That's what the text is. Thank you. Thank you. That's the text that we're hearing. But when we're watching visually, the subtext is, would you like to kiss me? I don't know what she wants from me. Would, she like to, would you like to kiss me? What's the right thing to do at the end of the date? Would you like to kiss me? I feel nervous. I need to end this. Would you like to kiss me? Maybe she doesn't know where her mom is, or maybe I can just get out of this. Your mom's up there. Would you like to kiss me? I had such a nice time. That's the actual subtext going back and forth between these two people who seem like they can't do subtext. And this conversation is beautiful. It's beautiful because both of these characters are so vulnerable, but it's also beautiful because we can feel what they want. We can feel the action that's happening between them. And when you realize that even these two, these two people that we might judge based on all the conversations we've seen between them before, we might judge and think, oh, well, they can't even do subtext, right? They just speak what's on their mind. We realize that all people, all human beings are actually doing subtext all the time which means you're doing subtext all the time, which means you don't have to stress so much about subtext. Because to understand subtext, you have to understand subtext is not something you do consciously. 
It's something you do unconsciously. Yes, sure, some people play games, right, using subtext to show how smart they are, to gain power, or to throw a barb, right? Some people at the really complicated level, at the who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, you know, Edward Albee level, at the knives out level, right, they play games using subtext on purpose, right, in order to hurt, raise status, lower status, impress, cajole, trick, dupe, uh, guilt, right? They, they use subtext as a weapon. And maybe that's the kind of writing that you do, or maybe that is not. But you're using subtext too, because even in a simple scene like this, there's subtext going on. There's subtext going on naturally, inevitably, because our lexicon, our language, does not communicate the full depth of our wants, our emotional needs, and our feelings. The language that we speak is simply not capable of communicating all the levels of what is going on inside of us all the time. And because our language isn't capable, subtext naturally evolves. So my belief is that the real reason that people have trouble understanding subtext is because people have trouble understanding dialogue. So many writers don't actually understand what dialogue is because they think dialogue is talk. They think dialogue is talk. They think dialogue is people talking to each other. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. That might be the dictionary definition that you find if you look up the word dialogue. But in the real world, that's not how dialogue works, and that's why it doesn't work like that in the movies either. What most dialogue is, is a form of action. It's a way that characters like you and me and Ronan and Katie, try to get what we want against tremendous obstacles, internal fears, internal monologues, internal conflicts, internal pressure, right? The full rainbow of desire that exists inside of ourselves. And dialogue is just a tool we use in attempt to meet our wants and emotional needs. Now you might be going, well, that's not true. Sometimes I just make small talk. Um, but think a little bit more about your small talk. And you'll probably realize, that there's a want and emotional need underneath. Because as you're making small talk, you might be thinking, does she think I'm cute? Does she think I'm smart? You might be thinking, I want to make her feel comfortable. I might want to make her feel happy. I want to make her laugh. You might be thinking, I want to connect. You might be thinking, I want to break the ice. You might be thinking, I want to relieve the tension. You might be thinking, I want to steer the conversation away from that subject. Right? You might have a whole monologue in your head that you're just trying to cope with or escape. And the person you're talking to, they have a monologue in their head too. You might have an image of where the, the experience is going that you're hoping to navigate towards. Or you might have a fear of where it might end up that you're trying to navigate away from. Right? We have all this stuff going on. right? And then we try to use this tool called language in the same way we would try to use the tool called action in a screenplay. Uh, and just like everything else in a screenplay and in life, it's driven by emotional needs and tangible goals. Dialogue ain't talk. Dialogue is a way of getting what you want. It's a tool. So where does subtext come from? Um, subtext comes from the pressure between the words we're saying and the real wants and the real needs lying underneath. Sometimes 
sometimes the subtext exists consciously, right? Uh, where the person is being playful or twisted or complicated and consciously saying something that contrasts with what they mean. So there's a great scene in American Beauty where uh, she is on the couch and he is seducing her and he's seducing her by saying bad things about her. How did you ever get so cold, right? I'm paraphrasing, I'm not remembering the exact line, but he's actually putting her down. But the action is to seduce and he knows he's seducing and she knows he's seducing and they're playing a little verbal game together and it's conscious, it's not an accident. There are other times when it happens on a much more unconscious level, right? Where there is some kind of pressure between the want and the need in the person. So the want is a cup of coffee, but the need is love. And so the person's talking about coffee and all the text seems to be about coffee, but the subtext is love me, love me, love me. And the way you write that is not consciously to think about it. You're not trying to be Oscar Wilde and find the perfect wordplay. What you're doing is you're feeling love me, love me, love me as you write the character, but you're pushing that need down and you're focusing the attention on the coffee cup. Just like Ronan and Katie are pushing the anxiety down and focusing on the orange juice. Or just like Ronan in the scene that I played for you is putting, pushing the anxiety down by talking about mom where she can find her mom, right? And just as Katie is pushing the desire for the kiss me, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me, kiss me down by just simply repeating everything he says. So one of the ways we find subtext is by consciously playing, but not every writer is like that because not every person is like that. Not every person is engaged in wordplay all the time. Not every person is finding the most interesting and in in intellectual way to say things. Not everybody's playing games all the time with their language, not consciously. So sometimes it's about a difference between the want and the emotional need, where the want and the emotional need don't line up. And you can write this intuitively if you will just let go of your desire to write great dialogue and said, feel, love me, love me, love me, and let them talk about coffee. Or feel, I want to leave. Leave me alone as they talk about what a wonderful night it was. Or feel, I hate you, as they talk about how beautiful their relationship is. So feeling the difference between the want and the need, feeling the difference between the emotion that's being repressed underneath and the line that is being expressed on the surface, sometimes feeling two wants at the same time. You've all been in this situation. You've broken up with the love of your life. It's over. You have had it. And then you realize she still has your sock. She has that sock that you need. How dare she keep that sock? That sock was a gift from your mother. You're never going to feel closure, you tell yourself. I'm never, ever, ever, ever going to feel closure until I get that sock back. And so you go to your former love's apartment to let her know this relationship is over and you want your sock back. But there's another desire that's driving you that you are not conscious of, which is your desire to get back together with your 
love of your life <laughs> or to reconnect or to feel something or to provoke a reaction or to connect or to feel that emotional thing you had before, which is why you somehow end up sleeping together and getting back together, even though you came to end the relationship with this suck. We've all been in a situation like that, right? So sometimes subtext is a conscious game. Look how witty I am. Look how skillful I am. Look how I can use my words like a rapier. Sometimes subtext is a difference between emotional need and tangible goal. Sometimes subtext is about two wants existing in the character at the same time. The one that they're expressing and the one that they might not even be consciously aware of. And there are thousands of different forms of subtext. We could talk about status games, for example, probably for 10 podcasts or a few masterclasses and still not get to the bottom of it, right? There are so many different ways that we use subtext. But I think the important thing is to, to remember for right now is that subtext always exists with tension. It always exists with pressure and it always exists naturally in all of us because none of us are ever fully one thing at one time. We all have layers. We all have monologues playing in our heads. We all have visions that we share and that we don't share. And what I'd like to empower you to do as you're writing your own monologues, what I'd like to empower you to do as you're writing your own dialogue, instead of trying to focus on making subtext, I'd like you to focus on what are the conflicts that exist inside your character? What are the things that they are willing to say and that they are not willing to say? What are the defense mechanisms that get in the way of being honest? What are the moments where they actually do just say it? What are the moments where they actually do just fully let it out and make themselves vulnerable? And what are the moments where they push something down? And if you can connect to the thing that the character is pushing down or the thing that the character wants to say but cannot let themselves say, if you can connect to the, 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 the thing that the character is directing their mind towards to avoid the real one, or if you can connect to the real want or the real need underneath the words that are spoken, you will find all the subtext you need in all the places that you need it. And while there are a million different ways to do this and a million different ways to explore it, this is really just brushing the surface of how subtext works, keeping that one idea in mind that dialogue is intuitive because you do it every day. And that means subtext is intuitive too. That means that there are conflicts in you that you are consciously and unconsciously aware of. There is pressure in you that you are consciously and unconsciously aware of. And the more connected you get to the the current and the undertow, right? The more connected you get to these different levels of want, meaning the rainbow of desire to quote Augusta Ball inside of yourself, the complexity and the failure of language to communicate it, the more you'll get in touch with your own subtext. The more you'll get in touch with the thing that you're really pursuing when you think you're pursuing a sock or a cup of coffee or directions on how to find mom or the kiss. So I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. I hope that you'll watch Love on the Spectrum and I hope that you'll play a little game with me, um, not only for your characters, but also for yourself, which is as wonderful as subtext is, as a tool for screenwriting and as a tool that we wanna use. 
I want you to play with the idea of what if you stop being so afraid of being on the nose? Because usually the reason that on the nose doesn't work is not because on the nose is wrong. It's because on the nose isn't vulnerable. It's usually happening when the writer is trying to indicate what the character is feeling rather than actually feeling it with the character. It usually happens when the character is trying to explicate what's going on inside the character as opposed to actually feeling it inside the character. And so what I'd suggest to you is next time you're worrying about am I too on the nose, stop worrying. And instead go inside and feel. And ask yourself, is my character being vulnerable or is my character trying to be clear? Is my character expressing the complicated rainbow of desire that lives inside of them? In the best words that they have, knowing that words will never fully capture it? Or am I, as the writer, trying to control and shape the experience in order to create an emotional reaction out of the audience? Or to produce some kind of impression of what a brilliant writer capable of mimicking such wonderful dialogue sounds that I've heard or such clear voices. Are you inside or, you, or are you outside? And if you're outside, well then just say it. See what happens if you just say it and get in touch with it. And if you're inside, feel that pressure between what words can communicate and what's really going on in your character. And you will find all the subtext that you need. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Come study with me. You can do it for free every Thursday night, our Thursday night rights. You can come if you want to make a donation. We will match every dollar that you give and use it to help students who otherwise couldn't afford to attend our programs. If you don't want to make a donation, that's cool. Come with a smile. Come join our community. Bring your creativity. Bring your questions. Um, it's an amazing experience. And if you want to get more serious, if you want to take our foundation classes, if you want to join our masterclass, our ProTrack mentorship program that pairs you one-on-one -on -one with a professional writer, you can find all of that on my website, writeyourscreenplay.com. And please remember to follow and review. Uh, you are the people who keep us going.